What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend Tyson, and in this conversation, we discuss never giving up, learning from our mistakes, the desire to be more for others than for ourselves, and Tyson shares vulnerably as he is processing the loss of his own father. Enjoy meeting my friend Tyson. All right, Tyson, this has been a long time coming. You and me talking fatherhood on Fatherhood Field Notes. You've been a huge supporter of Rebel and Create and the Adventure of Fatherhood Kids book and all the stuff that I've done over the years. Dude, it's good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for all the support, man. Continued support, buying books, buying journals, and and especially, you know, we just we just finished the adventure of fatherhood, dude, and you're a part of that. That kids book is about to be published February fourteenth, bro. Oh, coming. Was that was that intentional Valentine's Day for that? You know what's so funny, bro, is something happened the day that I found out, and it was like this thing about loving fatherhood, and. Then Kimmy, um, my podcast book manager, she calls and says, Hey, we got the published date. It's February 14th. So no, I didn't pick that date, but I definitely feel like it's, you know, just another little reminder that this stuff matters big time, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it, it is huge. And I, I love, I love what you're about with all that stuff. Uh, not just because, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends at this point, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, like I'll just, you can see I got, uh, that's my library of books that I give away and that's the library of books that I read. Um, I'm in between offices. So, you know, <laughs> I see a lot of, I see a lot of rebel and create journals and books over there. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I keep them in pairs to hand them out to dudes. You know, when people ask about books and, uh, well, the stack, the stack on top there, that's the stuff that I'm currently going through. So I got, hmm. I'm currently doing the fatherhood journal, but love it. Well, dude, to give people an understanding of who I'm talking to right now, first question is how old do you find yourself today? I am 41 years old. 41. How many years you've been married? I have been married for 12 going on 13 years this June. And how many kiddos? I've got four. Nice. And what's the spread on those kids? Nine to 25. Serious. You got every stage rocking right now. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we've got two that are out of the house and then two that are in the house and we've got a, a hodgepodge, um, lots, lots of, lots of learning as a father. I'll tell you that. <laughs> mm, well, we're going to get some of those nuggets out of you today. And then where does the family live? I know this is a little unique. So, so what's the living situation? Yeah, so uh, the two youngest, the nine and twelve year old, they are in Waco, Texas, uh, with my wife and I, and then the 
the two older, we got one that's married and uh, a, a child of her own in Arizona. And then uh, the 19-year-old, he's he's in uh, California. Nice. And then for you, for, you know, briefly explain what you do for your, for your work, for business. And then you're kind of living in two places right now, California and Texas. Yeah. So our families are from California. We moved to Texas, uh, in 2020 and, um, I'm an entrepreneur, entrepreneur at heart. Uh, I've got a business that I just started last year based out of Texas hauling, uh, cars and trailers. And I've got a trailer dealership in California. So you're part-time California, part-time Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Depending upon staffing and needs of the business, I am here in California like I am today uh, more than I'd like to be, (laughs) but uh, you know, we do what we have to do and it's not always a bad thing because this is where, you know, my family is. So. Yeah. So maybe let's just dig into that for a second, right? Because you are in the thick of it. And I think there's been, you know, how long has it been like this? Two years now? Yeah. Two, yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be, it'll be three years in July that we made the move. So, okay. So, and I think, you know, there's so many people, especially in California, but all over who, with this new world we live in, I think COVID even solidified this to some extent is we can live and work in different places. Now yours is a little bit unique too, because yours is, is somewhat of a retail business, right? So you got to be there, but what would you say to the dad who's thinking, man, I want to get my family to a different place. What would you suggest are the things that are working and not working? Yeah. I mean, everyone's situation is going to be so different on that. Um, you know, for us, uh, there was a lot of reasons why we went. Um, we had talked about wanting to move out of state for quite a few years, but uh, we didn't think it would happen as soon as it did. Um, it's kind of a crazy story. You know, we bought the trailer dealership in 2018. And uh, like I said, all of our family is here in California. My children would have been seventh generation for my family's heritage wow. in the town that I grew up in. Um, and, uh, so moving was a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, that's huge. We we didn't know anybody in the town that we moved to in Texas. Um, we didn't have a job transfer to take us there. There was no logical reason for us to go other than that. We felt like that's what we were called to do. Um, Mm -hmm. my wife went there for a marathon with a group of girls she was working out with, uh, the trainer was infatuated <laughs> with Chip and Joanna Gaines and they put on a marathon every year out there in Waco. And uh, so she went and she kind of fell in love with the town and we just felt like we were being called to go there. We wanted to move out of state for various reasons. And so up and went, we did. But uh, the hard part is, is being torn from the family, right? Yeah. So, uh you know, I find myself away from my family at this point. I got to see them for two days. I flew out for a weekend, Saturday night. I arrived at uh, eight o'clock at night in Dallas and uh, I left Monday morning at uh, 7 a.m. So that was a that was a rough, very short visit and it will be a month before I fly back. So wow. it's, it's pretty hard to be away from my wife and, and uh, younger children like that. But um, like I said, I have extended family here. I've got my brothers and, um, I was able to be here, uh, just before my father passed, um, caring for him and helping my brothers in, through that process, which is hard. Um, but it's a, it's a good thing too. So, um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, you're in the thick of it, still figuring out what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the ideal goal plan was that I'd be in Texas for six weeks and in California for two weeks. Um, and, uh, I have never achieved that in the last two and a half years, but you're working towards it and you're supporting the family and, and you'll get there. You'll get there. Oh yeah. Um, So as you think about fatherhood, right, you've been a father for a long time. When did you embrace fatherhood? When did you realize this really matters? My role in these human beings lives is powerful. Um, I would say it was the day that my first son was born. Um, Mm. yeah, he was, uh, he's the 19 year old and, um, you know, that's, uh, that's an interesting story. Um, a lot of failures on my part in that story, uh, things that I'm not necessarily proud of, but, uh, also it changed my life. Um, knowing that this beautiful little life is solely, uh, dependent upon me being who I need to be. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, that was a, that was a crazy time. Seems like a whole lifetime ago, but, um, it was, yeah, yeah. What were the things that shifted? What and, and you don't need to go like specific details of like what was going on in your story at that time, but but internally, mentally, was there just this different shift of like who you were or how you needed to spend your time or what you wanted your life to be dedicated to? I mean, what kind of internal shift happened and what do you think caused that? I mean, obviously your son being born, but was it a choice? Was it innate? What was going on? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's innate, you know, um, you don't realize, uh, the emotions that come along sometimes with, with certain events of your life. And I've always been a pretty motivated person. Um, but what I would say, uh, it's humbling. There's, there's a lot of humility that comes with, uh, hmm. failing over and over and over again, uh, where you thought that you wouldn't, you wouldn't fail, I guess. Um, and it's, and it's in little situations and, and, and big situations too. You know, um, I remember one of the guys that I worked with, uh, because, because prior to my son arriving in this world, I wasn't so certain that I wanted that situation to happen given his mom, his mom and I's situation where we were at. Right. And, uh, after my son was born, I was a beaming father. I was so proud of this little guy mm. and, you know, had pictures and, and was embracing what I thought at the time was the right way to go with things, you know, trying to do the, uh, the, the white picket fence family and, you know, do make, make all the right choices, <clears throat> um, which you never know what right choices are. Uh, you just make the best choices you can with the information you have at the time. And then yeah. uh, you learn from where you went wrong, if you would have seen it from this perspective or not or whatever. Right. Um, but anyways, this guy I worked with, he was like, he was just said, you know, you're such a proud father. I did not expect that to be the case from the wow. way, you know, so whatever I conveyed, however, I talked about events coming up to the birth of my son that just struck me. And he was a, he was a really good guy. He actually, uh, took me in a little bit to mentor me as a, as a mechanic to some extent at that time. And, uh, I mean, he was just a good family guy, but, uh, it was interesting. You know, when you hear something like that, where yeah. 
something that I projected out, you know, was, was not what, uh, or who I would want to be or who I was going to be, you know? So it's wild how somebody's words, and especially I would say another man's words, um, when they're a mentor or whatnot can stick with us and even be, I mean, did that become somewhat of a driving factor for you? Do you think to, continue to make fatherhood important or to, to evaluate your actions or what, what did that statement do for you? Uh, I mean, I, I can't tangibly pinpoint that stuff. Like I said, there's yeah. a lot of things about my personality that as you described it best would be innate, I suppose. Um, and so I can't, I don't have a tangible, yeah, I pivoted this way or that way, but, um, you know, he was, he was extremely important. Uh, my son, he was an extremely important part of how my life turned, uh, how I spent Mm -hmm. my time, um, and the dedication I had to providing for my family. Um, but also a big part of decisions that I felt I had to make, uh, for his benefit. Right. Um, and you know, that, uh, I'm a pretty impulsive guy. And when I make a decision, I usually rock solid on that and just move forward with it. And then, and that's that. Right. So, um, that slowed down some of my decision-making stuff because now it's not just me anymore. Right. It's mm-hmm. me and him and, uh, the relationship that him and I have and, um, you know, his mom and that. And so good, man. It's really good. So as you think about the different stages you've been in as a father, what's something you've learned about yourself? So, you know, as we go through our life, we tend to learn from failure, from the messiness, from conflict, from seeing ourselves in our kids, the things we like, the things we don't like. As you think back over the years of being a dad, what, what's, what's something that you've learned about yourself? Oh, well, um, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, as a dad, disciplining the, Disciplining yourself out of your own kids is pretty hard, right? Mm. <laughs> See, seeing your your tendencies in your child that you know aren't ones that you want them to carry on—that's always that's always a humbling situation. But um, I think I think some of the stuff that I've learned mm. about myself being a father is uh, that even though we feel like we need to have all the answers. Um, we know that we don't um, and we have to accept that we're not going to have them. And then we have to learn that we have to continue mm. learning all the time because, uh, you know, it's amazing. The questions a three-year-old or four-year-old or six-year-old yeah. will ask you yeah. that you're not prepared for like, and how to describe it at their age appropriate, you know, <laughs> like you just say something in normal conversation to your wife or, or a friend. And then your kid says, well, what is that? And you're like, Oh, I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> so dude, I think this is a really powerful comment because I think sometimes you have a dude on one end of the spectrum. Who's like, Oh, I got all the answers. Let me fix everybody's problems, whatever. And, and, kind of full of shit. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you might have a guy who's just like felt like he failed so many times that he's just kind of passive, kind of the, I don't know, guy, kind of the ask your mom guy. So what, what's that look like to like be in the trenches, right? To, to be in the mess, be vulnerable, be honest, be real. Like, what does that, 
what does that look like? And maybe there's seasons where you're good at it and not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, <laughs> so you, it's okay to take time, right? You, you have time to figure something out. Hmm. It's like we don't. It seems like we don't have time that, you know, especially with society today and the instant gratification needs and how much information is coming at us. But uh, you can you can always say, I don't know how to explain that right now, but I will. But if, if and when you do that, you have to be intentional about it and set a time that you'll do it by and then do it by then. Um yes. Otherwise, you're just kicking the can down the road, right? You have you have to be intentional about how you want to figure that out. And, uh, you know, my wife and I still have discussions on things that we know that there's things that we have to be able to talk about and explain to our kids at some point in time, and we don't know what that looks like. And we'll, you know, it's not, to some extent, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because it's you do have to wait for the right time, but uh, we don't have to have all the answers right then and there either. Yeah. I think it's really good to remind us like we do have time because most of the day I'm going through the day thinking, Oh my gosh, it's almost this. It's almost that. I don't have enough time to finish this, finish that. And it's like, dude, slow the frick down because then I end up taking that into my home. And you know, this idea came up for me recently. Somebody brought up, you know, are you a man of your word? So like if my kid asks me a question or says, hey, dad, can we X, Y, or Z? Am I a man of my word? If I say, hey, I'll get back to you on that. Am I really or am I just hoping that he forgets and doesn't ask me again, you know? And instead I should just say, hey, let's, we're never going to talk about that, which I can't think of an example of that saying that, but just don't kick the can down the road. So I love that, dude. We have time. Like just hang on a second. We have time. Stop. And dude, I'm the, I, I need to work on that a lot in everything. Like you say, we're late to church or late to a meeting or late to something. I'm, and I'm a, such a rush and something important's happening to just pause and go, okay, we could be late to that thing. This matters right now. Let's handle this. Um, I'd like that to be said about me, but that's going to take some work. Uh, and, it wouldn't be said about me either. I don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's I just, not what you're saying, but that's what we're working towards. Yeah, I just, I just recognize, you know, like we want to give an answer right now, or we want to, you know, yeah, whatever. And uh, it's okay to even just take a breath, say a prayer in your head, in your head, and mm. then and speak. You know, like uh, that could that could even be just when you're having a uh, uh, an uncomfortable conversation with your wife, one where you're in the hot seat. It's okay to just zip it, think about it, pray about it, and then respond. You know, dude, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And if I'm not so drained from the day, I'm better at my self talk to be ready to not just be a dick. But when I pack my day too much and I'm in the hot seat, then I'm, then I'll get kind of mouthy. Um, all right. We're talking about this right now, like how a father shows up. So with that in mind, what would you describe or what are a couple key characteristics when you think about the role of the father? 
Yeah, I, I've probably asked that question more of other men and never really mm. came down with my own confident answer. <laughs> um, because there's, you know, it, I, I guess I guess the, the question I'm thinking of is always like, what does it mean to be a man uh, versus what the mm. role of the father as a man is? Uh, but, you know, I would say, the number one goal is to, is to lead our children in the way um, mm. that, you know, because I'm a follower of Christ, you know, that is what I, what I believe is our number one priority. Um, although as I say those things, I feel very convicted that that's not how I live my life to be bluntly honest about it. Right. I get consumed by the tangible in front of me, what I have to do spreadsheets analysis and cash flow analysis and selling to this selling this trailer or ordering this part or dealing with this service customer or, you know, handling this dispatch deal and this whatever, right. You know, we can let ourselves get bogged down by the ever never ending stuff coming our way. But at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to teach and train our kids and to give them a foundation. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not a good example of that, uh, in, in so many ways. Um, but that is, that is super important. And then, and then protecting and providing for our family and our kids and our wife, you know, um, I think there's a hierarchy that is designed for this world. And that is that, you know, the husband, the father is the one to lay their lives down for others. So it is a, it is a sacrificial perspective, um, and it is putting our needs, our wants, our emotions aside for the benefit of others. Um, and, you know, that's not that when, when I say that to lay our lives down for others, you know, we tend to think, I think most people tend to think about literally laying our lives down. But it's it's little things that stick out. Uh, as an example, I was, I was just thinking about this today. Um, we all have needs. We all have emotions and we have highs and lows, right? And today I started my day off pretty heavy burdened, pretty, um, pretty mm. down, I would say, which is not normal for me, but it was, it was a rough start to the day. And, uh, I recognized that I, I kind of reached out for a little bit of support, but I didn't actually say that I needed it. I didn't, I never actually communicated what my need was, right? And I saw how emotionally I could feel like I could almost put that on my wife, right? I could almost put that on whoever I reached out to. Like they didn't meet my need. I needed them and they weren't available for whatever reason, right? But I also know that I didn't communicate it. I was in that spot and I kind of like, you know, the, you know, the surface question, like, hey, are you busy? Whatever, right? And they were busy. So, okay, you just let it go, right? So, all right, no big deal. But that can kind of build up for somebody. And if we don't communicate our need and we mm. choose to not communicate it because they need something else, we have to live with that choice and be okay with that. And that's that's laying your life down for another because you said, I have a need. They are dealing with something else. And so I'm going to set my need aside for them. And then you and as a man. As a father, as a leader, that's our call, is that that's okay. Now, that doesn't mean that you do that every time, 
That doesn't mean you never get the help you need. That just means when you decide, when you have a situation, whatever it is, you accept your decision and then you move on. And you don't hold your decision as responsible for anybody else. Yes, yes. And that's so key, right? Is to not let those all just bury you. Man, going back, you know, you led with the, you know, it's provider and protector and there's this hierarchy. And, you know, once we start going down this path, I think the, the typical conversation has been like the dad's the breadwinner, the dad, you know, leads the family, which I agree with to the extent, but the fact that you, it went into like the dad's roles to lay their life down, no matter in what areas, right? I lay my life down for my family. And if that was the answer, if that was the approach that men had, dude, our world would look different, right? Because what they're looking for is the result of doing that. I want the wife who adores me. I want the kids who respect me. I want people in the community who think I'm a rad dude. So I seek that in whatever, which way, and I don't get it because I'm seeking the result versus the process of gaining those things is laying your life down for your family without the expectation of that result. And dude, like right now you're in that season of laying your life down on the provide, right? You are away from your family, building your business, being strategic, and you're doing that right now. Um, I love that answer, dude. It's, it's heavy. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. Like, what does it look like to lay your life down for your family? What does a 10,000 little deaths for your family look like? Yeah. And we have a thousand choices in front of us every day, little and big, Mm. right? It's that choice to be distracted while we're doing something with our kids. It's that choice to be fully present that choice to let whatever agitation in the moment is getting to us cause a problem and a friction between those that we love or that we're engaged with uh, or not. You know, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. I can tell you when I'm when I've had a stressful day or whatever, and uh, technology like what we're using right now is phenomenal, right? I can see you and you can see me and we're hours apart. You're on an island in the middle of the ocean uh, and it's great. And so I can FaceTime with my family, you know, and see their faces like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I should probably say this, like, it's not that I should, like, it should be acknowledged. My one month away from my wife and kids is hard. Yes. But I'm not serving in the military overseas and gone from my family for a year or 18 months, right? making it so that we live in this free country that we do. Um, and there are many other occupations that are like this and way worse than what I'm dealing with. So, uh, you know, I'm not just crying for myself over here. I'm just being honest that it's tough. Right. But um, that aside, what happens in those moments is like when FaceTime isn't working, <laughs> right, it's glitching and I can't see and I can't hear I mean, there are plenty of times where at the end of the day, I'm just spent and it's like, yeah. like, I just, I just tell my wife, like, I just can't handle this right now. We just need to get on the regular phone. Right. Like, cause it's just so yeah. it's, it's that tap dancing on your nerve, man. And, um, being aware, I guess that's, that's where that comes to being aware of ourselves and where yeah. we're at and being able to admit it and then do something about it. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the hard part is doing something about it, you know, taking the initiative. 
Man, this this podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes, and we're doing it right now. You're just opening up your life to us. What's going on? What's going on today? What was going on 19 years ago? And just gaining some nuggets from that. But the the mantra behind it is rebel and create. And I mean, you've heard me talk about this. You could be rebelling against something small, something large, but not just for the sake of tearing something down to create something out of that. So when you hear that mantra, what's something that you're rebelling against today? And what do you hope to create out of that? Yeah, man. Um, it's a great question. It's a great question. It's a great mantra. Um, so many ways to go about it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to accept mediocrity. Um, I think that that is a common mindset that disables people from becoming who they are meant to be, that they are in a certain station in life and that that's just the way the cards come out. And, uh, hmm. you know, that's, that's a, probably a, a big part of, of all the, uh, motivational stuff that I read and, and, and look into for business advice and personal life and things like that. But I mean, I really do believe in those things that, um, we don't have to settle for what we have and we can't control what comes our way. We can control how we respond to it. And mm. we do not have to settle for mediocrity, whatever station that we're in. We have the ability to find another way, to find a way out of it, which is probably one of the things that irritates uh, <laughs> my wife and, and and other people that I come in contact with. Because I'm like, look, there's, there's just got to be another way. Like, it may not be right now. It, it may not be this year, next year, whatever. But, um, you know, with the, with the right mindset and attitude, eventually we find the way, you know, and the perseverance. So so with that in mind, like how often do you pause and reflect on how things are and go, okay, this feels mediocre in this part of my life. Like how often are you pausing to reflect on that and then course correcting? Yeah, I mean, at, at this point in my life, um, when I say this point, uh, just like the current season I'm in, um, I'm feeling a little bit beat up and bruised. And, uh, you know, it's it's not always a, like a course correction as it is reflection and seeking um, mm-hmm. what choices I've made to get me to where I am. Um, and is, is, it, is it where I am that I thought would be different? Or is it that where I am needs some course correction, right? So you could take it back to like, was I not supposed to move my family out of state? Because that's a big pain point right now, right? Like if my family was here in California, I wouldn't be dealing with this pain of not being around them, right? Um, But had I not moved them there, that has a whole other chain of events that wouldn't have happened, you know? Um, The way the kids are excelling in the different fields that they get to and then... Uh, the life that they get to enjoy would be different. Not that it would be wrong or one's better or than, or not, but it's the choice that we made. Right. And that goes back to, you make a decision and and you accept that decision. And then you reflect on, should you made a different one? And if so, why, what would you have made different? And for what reason, or is it just different things fell the way they did? Right. And so you have to course correct now to get back to where you want to be. So, how often I do, I would say I reflect um, at least weekly, but oftentimes daily 
Um, I'm not always good about drilling every day, but I'm pretty solid about drilling mm. at least every other day. Um, or if I, I'll miss a weekend and then I'll catch up. Right. I read my, I read a, a daily Bible uh, chapter and a daily verse that gets emailed to me and uh, try and, you know, uh, just dig into those things and reflect on the things that are causing me strife. And sometimes that's just an emotion that I'm experiencing versus something that needs to change. Right. Mm. Uh, That's the difference between the two. Well, so I'll I'll give an example from a book that uh, impacted me a lot at different points in my life. Tuesdays with Maury. Have you ever heard of that book? No, no. Okay. Tuesdays with Maury is uh, written by Mitch album. And uh, it's, it's a story of a professor of, of the author and, uh, how he came down with a degenerative disease. And so he came back from after being in his career and made it uh, an important event to go and see this old professor of his every Tuesday. And there's a, a line in the book that has stuck out to me. Uh, and it's that, and it was that, you know, it's okay to experience the emotion and have your time with it, but don't dwell in it and ruin the rest of the emotions for the day. Mm. Right. So here's, here's a man who is facing the end of his life and he's losing his cognitive ability to control his body and do things. And he's like, I have the, that moment in the morning and I'll have a good cry. It's kind of the essence of it. You know, I'm, uh, it's said much better in the book, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's more or less like have your moment with that emotion and then move on. Cause you could sit there and dwell in the pity of the, uh, why me? I have this disease and my, um, my life is ending sooner than it should have. And you could let that one emotion, that, that pain and that sorrow and that pity last you all day. And then you could miss out on all the joy and all the laughter that could be in the day. Right. So sometimes we just need to experience the moment and that emotion and then put it aside and open up to the rest of the day. Right. Um, so- and I would say, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, you know, like um, with my father's passing recently, you know, yeah. I have these moments when I say it that I choke up and then I have moments when I don't and it's, and it's, and it's okay. It's okay to choke up and cry and let it out and then move on, right? You can experience that emotion, but don't let one emotion control your entire day. And so that's the difference. That's yes. the difference to me is, is having the emotion, but not, not saying that that emotion is necessarily everything that needs to be my day. It's not, it doesn't have to be constant the whole thing. Right. But I really like acknowledging that there's seasons in our life, right. And to not discredit the emotion, the feeling, what might be shown that we have to experience all that life has to offer. It's, it's part of this, you know, the experience of life. And, and your father passed a couple weeks ago. Yeah. January 14th. And you were able to be there and care for him and be a hundred percent present kind of because the situation that you're in with your family. And so now you're in this season of, of grief, of acknowledging this big change in your life. Um, how do you, how do you find yourself just weeks later, you know, processing this 
so that you are experiencing it and not, you know, not letting it overtake your day, but also not pushing it aside like it doesn't, doesn't have impact. Is there some? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, just be raw and vulnerable. You know, last night I, I watched uh, the rest of a movie I had started. Um, it's not like a typical movie or a fantastic movie, but it's one that I've seen before and I just wanted to watch it again for some of what it, what it speaks to. Um, and it, uh, you know, the, the movie ends with the guy taking his own life, right? He's, he's, mm. uh, he's ashamed of things he's done. And, um, and so he felt like that was the best decision to make. Right. And so, maybe it was just the death part. Maybe it's because I can relate to having shame and sorrow over things that I've done that have caused those that I love the most great pain. Right. Um, cause I absolutely have, I've made mistakes in my life that caused those that I love great pain. Um, and I think we all do at some point in time or another, whether we know it or not, to some extent that we cause pain for those that we love just in the nature of we're sinful people that are, innately selfish and we make choices big and small that are for our benefit more so than others. Right. So we have to fight that as a man back to what we talked about earlier. Right. Like we got to lay our lives down. We got to fight through that. But anyways, um, at the end of the movie, you know, I just, uh, I don't know, you could call it an ugly cry or just a, a deep cry. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, thinking about my dad, you know, I just lost it. And then I went to bed, you know, and you know, I had my moment with it. I watched a movie and, did some other stuff. And then, and then I had the cry and I, and, you know, I went to bed and I got up this morning and I think it lingered over. Right. But mm. it didn't control my day. Um, I, I had my uh, men's group this morning and, um, teared up a little bit at that kind of when I was mentioning it. And then, you know, we broke for the day and I got busy with work and I was able to laugh with people and, you know, conduct business and handle the stuff I needed to. And, you know, and here we are talking again and you know, I've choked up a little bit here and there, but, uh, you know, I think it's important what you're doing, um, to build up other men, um, cause fatherhood is important, right? Being so to take lead. a second to, yeah. So to take a second to honor your dad, what was his name and what was something just great about him? Yeah. Uh, he was a fantastic storyteller. Um, uh, his name was Greg, uh, but we, we all lovingly knew him and called him Hobbit. Um, Hobbit. So, Hobbit, yeah. yeah. It's a fun nickname. And he's a great storyteller. Yeah, I mean, he told great jokes. Um, but yeah, storyteller, jokes, stories from days of old. Uh, yeah, he was very charismatic, life of the party in that way. And and he, mm. he could tell a story, man. He could, he could bring you into it. Uh, it was great. Hmm. So good. So you made a comment just a moment ago that I would just love for you to ex- expand upon for a minute, but you said, okay, I had this cry last night. It lingered off today, but I was able to talk about it at my men's group. So I think a lot of us men are just kind of rolling through life on our own. We don't have a consistent group of men that we meet with intentionally. So tell me a little bit about this men's group and if somebody wants to do one, create one, whatever, what would be your recommendation for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, as men, tend to be reclusive, right? We tend to 
hide behind the persona of we're okay, we're strong, we're macho. That's what we're supposed to do. And don't get me wrong, I believe that there, there is a time and a place for that. We absolutely need to have that personality trait to some extent um, to lead and protect as what we are called to do. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that we have to take the weight of the world on our shoulders at all times and never have a release and never have people that know us. And I think that's the mm. thing. And the that's Bible true. reiterates that is to be deeply known is freeing. Um, and it's probably a terrible way to correlate it, but I was thinking about it today. So I'm just going to say it anyways. Uh, did you ever watch that show Dexter? I didn't, I didn't see it. All right. Well, you know, the, the premise of the story is he's a serial killer, but it's a, it's in a, it's shed in a positive light. Cause he only kills bad people that are murderers and rapists and whatever else. Right. But there was a, there was one episode that I saw that stuck out to me and I didn't see, I didn't watch the whole thing, but just this one episode, like was like, he confesses to this person that he's about to murder, that he's a serial killer. And he's like, Oh, that just felt so good to let that out. Like, so freeing, right? Like, because nobody knows. It's a secret life, right? It's a secret <laughs> life. And to, to fully to be fully known. Now, that person, you know, lost his life shortly after, whatever. But the, the, the idea behind it, though, is true for us, is that it's important to be fully known. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to hide our, our failures. We want to hide the things that we feel mm-hmm. shame about. Yeah. And uh, that's what the devil wants. The devil wants us to hide those things because what's in the darkness is his and darkness can't be present when there is light. And so when you shed light on it and you get fully known, mm-hmm. that's yeah. huge. Now, even my men's group that meets every single week, <laughs> uh, it's still difficult for us to uh, really always divulge deeper. Right. Um, and right. we get to certain levels of, of uh, you know, generally the word would be intimacy, but vulnerability um, of yeah. depth of, of sharing things. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're a group of Christian men that meet and specifically the group is focused towards purity. Uh, that's a big battle of this world uh, where the world is highly sexualized. And uh, so, you know, that's kind of why we meet. We meet weekly for that. So if you're thinking about starting a group or you uh, want to get in one, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it, uh, whether it's through your church or meet up or I mean, there's, you know, we're a social world without being social. So uh, meeting in person when, when possible, like you got it. It's just, yeah. you got to find a way to be able to share with others where you're at, because you'll always be surprised how many others are in that same place that you are, or have been in that same place and can help pull you out of it, Man, which is I what you do, right? <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying, yeah, to to pull, to pull, help people open up and others get to, but it's not in a setting where it's like, there's five, 10 of us sitting in a room doing this, you know, and I think that to be known and, and, and at our core, if that's what we want, if we can turn this a little bit, that's what we want. That's what you have the opportunity to do with your family, to like fully know your spouse to fully know your daughters, your son, like to really get to know them and show them who you are. Um, that's connectedness, right? We want to be connected. And, uh, I just love that you said that to be known. So dudes, if you're listening to this, like, do you feel known? 
right now? Do you feel known? And if not, you, you need to put yourself in a position to be yourself, to be known. Um, Tyson, man, so, so many good things, dude. Um, I, 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 my last question's coming up in a minute, but I do want to ask you one thing, you know, you've kind of mentioned, you know, mistakes and pain and, and, and things in life. And I just want to ask like the words never give up. Like I think of those words, what, what does that mean to you to never give up? Yeah. I mean, you can use never give up. I like the word persevere, right. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, that's, Nothing is final, Hmm. right? Truly, for each of us, nothing is final that we have to walk away from. You know, we can we can continue doing our part of anything, um, and and uh, if it's what we believe, if it's what you believe, then you absolutely should. you know, it's, it doesn't mean, it, it doesn't mean reckless, you know, it, it, reckless abandon as to do foolish things, mm-hmm. but it means that, uh, there's, there's always hope while you are here and breathing that, uh, you know, God is with us and he has a plan and a good father like he is knows what's best for us. Right. So we may not understand it just like our three-year-old doesn't understand when we say, no, you can't have that candy. Right. It's not good for you. And they are just distraught over it. Um, You don't, you know, you never have to throw in the towel. You can always do your part of that. I'm not, I'm not answering that very well. Well, I think that the point is, and that's what the word rebel means to me, you know, is you get the opportunity every day to get up and choose to do what you want to do, you know, and you could go days and days and days of, of destruction and unengaged. But if today you wake up and you start to just switch that story and you start to take action and create habits around that, like you have the opportunity to become the man you want. And I love this saying. I actually, I think I was reading it in my journal the other day and I don't know who said it, but um, you, you can't be anything you want, right? Like I ain't going to be a pro basketball player. There's just no way that that's physically possible, but I can be whoever I want, right? And, and I get to choose that. It's nobody else. It's me. So every day I get to choose the husband I'm going to be. I get to choose the father I'm going to be. I get to choose the man friend that I'm going to be. And so when I think about never giving up, no matter the circumstances, and man, this other thing's really been kind of hitting me is in this, this group I'm in. Somebody said the other day, it's like, where you are right now is exactly where you need to be. In the sense that the stresses, the frustrations, the pains, those are the things you need right now. Now, most of the time we just bitch and complain about them instead of looking at these things as like, if I go to the gym, like I love the weight, right? The the heavier weight's going to push me to become better. And I'm great at looking at it like that, but fighting with my wife or frustrated about my finances or whatever, I don't look at that in that same, same mentality, but there's an opportunity there for me to grow if I allow it to let me to grow. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, any that's thoughts super- on that. 
Yeah, no, that's 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 absolutely true. I believe that wholeheartedly that we are where we need to be. Like I said, you know, God's got a plan. He's a good father and he places us in the situations we need. And whether we like it or not, sometimes we have to go through that miry bog to become better. Right. Um, uh, another another person that I listen to often, uh, you know, he likes to say humble pies, the pastry that is never tasty, but always necessary, right? Like, you know, and it's hard to be humbled if you're just on the top all the time, right? If you never have any, if you never have any resistance, you'll never get stronger in the gym, right? Like you can't go in the gym and press up the the empty barbell and then one day be able to push up a bunch of plates. Like that just doesn't happen. You need the resistance to grow and get stronger, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we are where we need to be and, and to be grateful for those times of struggle is hard. Um, and usually we become grateful for them on the backside when we can look back and see what it did. Yes. After the fact, we're yeah. good at that, but we're not good when we're, when we're in it, we don't, we don't love it. Um, Tyson, bro, thank you so much for talking fatherhood with me before I ask my last questions, anything I missed, anything you'd like to touch on any stories that you feel like are lingering that, were important to you? No, like, like I said, man, I didn't know what was going to come of this conversation. I just feel like we could talk forever on this topic. Um, just love what you do and love to listen to the podcast and hear what other dads have to say. Yeah, man. And that's what we need, right? We, we, we need to hear from each other. Um, we can grow. We don't live in that village where we share stories the same way. And that's really my hope with rebel and create podcasts is we just, we share our stories. We share our field notes. All right, bro. Well, here's my last question. It's a legacy question. Imagine 30 years from now, you are looking into the homes of your children. What is it that you see? Right. And you can sit back and go, man, I fought, I fought, day in, day out for my family. And this is how I see them living out their lives. What are some of the things you see in their homes? Yeah. Um, well, my hope for that would be a lot of love and laughter, um, with, uh, with giving with, with an idea of, of living more for others than for ourselves. Hmm. Um, and, and sharing that that has been given to us with others. Um, you know, I, I think that, that, that idea gets probably used in the wrong context often. Right. Um, but honestly, I, I think that that's where we see most people get down the most, uh, is when they're just inwardly focused on what they need versus living for a greater purpose. And so, you know, if my children, you know, they have families and they're sitting around the dinner table, um, I, I, you know, that they're sharing food and good times with others and that they're enjoying all that this world has to offer, knowing that, you know, that's, it's not the final destination. We're not taking anything with us, you know, and that we would be generous, that they would be generous. Um, mm. and enjoying, enjoying relationship with others. Man, uh, you know, I, I love what you said. This comes back to when I asked you what the role of the father was and you, and basically said, you know, we talked about 10,000 little deaths, but you lay your life down for your family. 
and this answer, you know, in our world that is so consumed with comfort, like we're just, we were just the pursuit of comfort. And your answer for yourself was the role of the father, your role is to lay your life down for your family. And then what I hope is that my family, you know, looking down the road that they live more for others than themselves. And I think that's where true joy and happiness comes from is not more, more, more for me, but how can I give more love more deeply to others? So man, you're living that out. And I thank you. You know, I, I really appreciate the rawness, just the, of the position in life you are right now. Cause sometimes I think we'll get on here and we just talk all this hoorah about fatherhood and everything's great and blah, blah, blah. But like you're in the thick of some things right now and to, to hear it in your voice, to sense it in, in, in the way that you've shown up, I think is really helpful for men to know, like pay attention to the season that you're in. Don't wait until you're in a season of feeling like, Oh, a million bucks every day to, to share. We are here every day for each other. And, and so I just really appreciate, you know, uh, you showing up and, and having this conversation with me today. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you asking me to be on here. Like I said, you know, I, I truly love what you do and I, I share it with others when I can, when it's appropriate, you know, um, I think, I think there's a lot of good to be had from, uh, from what you're doing. And I mean, I just love to see it. I can't wait to get my hands on that children's book. Not because I really have kids that are, are <laughs> right at the age for that. I'm still going to read it to them, but, uh, you know, I can't, I'm excited to give away the other copies that, uh, that I ordered, you know, that's, that's, I, I truly get joy out of, out of sharing that kind of stuff with others. And I hope that it, uh, it spreads like, like a rock thrown in a pond, man. Mm-hmm. Like ripples just getting out there and just yeah, baby, encouraging people. So. Well, bro, thank you, thank you for the support, and know that I love you, I appreciate you, and keep being yourself, which is that dude who never gives up and is pursuing everything that life has to offer. I look forward to uh, hanging out with you soon. Cool, man. Thanks. What a great conversation. Tyson has been such a promoter of Rebel and Create and deeply supportive of the work we are doing here to love on, encourage, and reveal to dads who they are. My friends, you are already making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, many men stumble into their role as a father, and you may have felt that same way. That might be why you're here now. Our society is in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and engaged in their homes. Now, I created and wrote the Adventure of Fatherhood Children's Book and the gift box as an opportunity for you and I to be a part of another man's adventure. Please help me spread the word that fatherhood matters by going to adventureoffatherhood.com, ordering a book for a dad and or a gift box. Maybe you know somebody who had a kid recently and they needed to be invited into their role. That's what this is for. We can't let men stumble into fatherhood. We must invite them in. You can also go to Amazon, buy it. Please do so. Write a review. We want to get this book into the hands of thousands of dads so that they can see who they are and connect with their children. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.